0: And we jump. Ooh, that was fancy. The name of the parsha, by the way, is which means when you light, when you kindle. That's the name of the parsha. God spoke to Moshe saying, Speak to Aharon, and you shall say to him, When you light, now, this is an unusual word for lighting. Usually we talk about lehadlik, like you say on Chanukah. Lehadlik ner, hanukkah lehadlik. Hadlakat nerot, lighting of candles here. This is an unusual word. Bahalotra which comes from the word to raise up. So the word like aliyah, making aliyah, going up to Israel is called aliyah. So lotra when you raise up, and it's talking about raising up the flames. So it uses an unusual expression for camp, for lighting the menorah, and Rashi will talk about it. When you raise up the flames or light the lamps, this is very interesting. The menorah, as we recall, is seven branches: got the one in the middle, and then three branches coming out to each side. What what the Torah is saying here is that these Uh, Flames, the wicks should be placed in such a way that they're all shining towards the middle center of the menorah, which is the menorah itself. That the verse refers to that central pillar of the menorah as the menorah, and the the six branches that are coming out on either side; those are the branches of the menorah. So the the six are all shining. uh, The wicks are positioned in such a way that they are shining towards the middle. What was the reason for this? The reason for this was to show that the purpose of the menorah is not to provide light for functionality. It's not a utilitarian purpose, but rather it's a spiritual uh, type of light that the menorah is, the menorah is giving. And that's not, if you need it for utilitarian purpose, then you'd have the wicks positioned in all different manners to cast light in all different ways fact that they were all shining in the same direction shows it was it was for a spiritual purpose so these words el mul pneha menorah opposite the face of the menorah that refers to that central pillar of the menorah now let's look at rashi the first rashi deals with what is the juxtaposition between what we just had in the previous parsha the story of the 12 tribes the leaders of each tribe bringing their gifts to the tabernacle what is the connection of that to the story of Aaron own being commanded about the menorah, because really this command takes place before the whole story of the uh, gifts of the nasim. Why does the Torah position it here? And Rashi quotes a beautiful thing from the Tanhuma, which says that when Aharon saw the Chanukat nasim the inauguration of the leaders of each tribe, mm-hmm. his mind became weak. He was disappointed. He was he was uh, feeling. What have they translated here? Blah, 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 blah. He felt distressed. Okay, that's okay. It's it's a difficult word to 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 translate. The literal meaning is his mind was weak. Why was he feeling distressed? He was not the, the his tribe and Aaron himself were not involved in these twelve gifts. It was it was it was twelve tribes, Menashe and Ephraim, the two sons of Joseph, making it twelve without Levi. So God says to him, Yours, your position as lighting the menorah is greater than theirs, greater than the 12 Nisim, because you will light and prepare the lamps. And as uh, I believe it's Ramban, if I'm not mistaken, says that the the Nisim were bringing sacrifices and all, and all things for the sacrifices, which eventually at some point when Jews go into exile, when the temple is destroyed, we don't have the sacrifices, but the menorah will continue even after the destruction in what form in the menorah that we have on Hanukkah. So it's kind of a hint to the idea of Hanukkah, which had not yet been taught. Balotcha, when you raise up, why is it called, why is kindling called raising up? It's named after the lahav, after the flame which goes up. And why does it say, why does it say it use this expression to say kindle? It teaches you something. It teaches you that you have to light the menorah in such a way that the flame should go up on its own. In other words, when you first light a candle, it's a little shaky. And if you take away the kindler too fast, it could go out. So you have to put the flame to the wick and hold it there until the flame this new flame is going strong. And, of course, the metaphor there is when you're lighting the lamp of another, when you're teaching a child or you're teaching a student, it's not enough to just come in, boom, give a lecture and run out. You have to stay and make sure that the kid, that the student, is actually able to stand on his own two feet, able to grow and prosper. <laughs> Before I go to that, I want to just say something else, which is Hasidus says that there's two different ways of of, uh, dealing with with our our service of God. One is that we are forcing ourselves to do the right thing, but it's not coming from the inside. We haven't revealed, we haven't got to that part of ourselves that is in consonance with the divine will. So we're still, our consciousness is still rebelling against the divine will, but we force ourselves to do it anyway. And this is kind of an imposed type of a situation, whether in our person and personally or dealing with the world at large. The ideal, the ultimate is that the flame is going up on its own. What is it? How does he have it? The flame rises by itself. That means it doesn't require an imposition from the outside, either from our own outside, forcing ourselves or any other type of imposition, but rather the flame arises from itself. The person himself is in consonance. He realizes this is his truest self, and it doesn't have to come from any external pressure, and the same with the world, that the world is in consonance with his creator, not from any external pressures, but from the recognition that that is its truest essence, and that any um, discord between the person or between the world and his creator is a reflection of the fact that the person or the world, is not in tune with its truest essence. Our sages further expounded on this idea that, 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 about, that lighting the menorah involves going up. So the first thing is that the flame is going up, and the second thing is that the coin is going up. Why is he going up? From here we derive that there was a step in front of the menorah upon which the Kohen stood. And prepared the lamp. So the coin is also going up to light the menorah. I saw one commentary that says that Aaron was, was in the midrash. The midrash says that Aaron was, in fact, tall enough to light the menorah without um, going up on the step. But this was an important thing to actually go up on the step, not just so he could reach it, but as part of the process. This we explained already. Okay. Verse 3 So Aharon did so. Right? It skips the step of saying that Moshe told Aaron about this. It just says that God told Moses to tell Aaron about it. Then it jumps to say that Aaron indeed did so. El He wrote uh, he he, um, he lit the lamps. He raised the flames towards the middle of the menorah as God commanded Moses. Now the question here that Rashi's going to address presumably is why does it say as God commanded Moses he did he did what he was told. I mean it's obvious that he would do what he was told as God commanded Moses. So Rashi says Aaron I'm sorry I've been highlighting the wrong words. Aaron Aaron did so. Why is there a question that he would do so? So Rashi says, <laughs> that this is to tell us the praise of Aaron that he did not deviate. Now they add in the, in the brackets from God's command. Okay, that's not in Rashi. In Rashi just says he did not deviate. Now the question, so that's why the Torah says he did so, he did not deviate. But this itself requires explanation. Why would we think that Aaron would deviate? I'll open that up to our esteemed uh, students why would we think that Aaron would deviate that the verse and Rashi have to tell us that he did not deviate? Would you deviate if God said to do it a certain way?
1: Is he just emphasizing that he had to um, really get this right? This is, And also he commanded, he didn't say. It's a commandment. Um, so is, is it is it an emphasis for how important this is? And what how the and how that means for people's lives and such I don't know
0: well but the question I hear what you're saying but the I go back to the question of Aaron is a righteous man he's a he's a priest he's a prophet why would we have to go out of our way to say he did not deviate from what God did I mean it's not that complicated
1: um, well I don't know I'm taking shots at this uh, <laughs> uh, what about the fact that Aaron uh, was not direct as opposed to his brother being direct and he might take a he might take that same type of thought or approach. I don't know.
0: Yeah I could only think maybe maybe had he deviated in other ways before. I don't know. I mean he's a he's a yes he's a righteous man, but he's not perfect. So you know maybe I don't know. <laughs> I'm guessing too. Good. Hilo, what do you say?
2: I don't know if I, if I remember so, uh, they have correct me, so that come in to light six, uh, six uh, lights, yeah, not seven.
0: Oh, seven. The seventh one is the center one.
2: so oh, yeah. Center... to light the seven too? Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's maybe not clear, some, but yeah. Maybe something to do with the, you know, sequence of this thing, how he did it and all that. Maybe he you said you wanted to do it too good to even know something like this. Um, yeah extra bias
0: of I don't know okay all right well I, I have some bissamim from uh, last night the cloves so uh, I'm gonna say a bracha on it mm. we do that by the havdalah service when we at the end of Shabbat we smell the spices we say a blessing so before you before you uh, partake of food but any pleasure even of, of, a, of a good aroma, from an actual thing, there's a blessing for it. Anyway, um, unrelated to our Parsha, presumably, but I saw three interesting explanations for this idea. I'll share the screen again. Shaloi um, Shina, that, that uh, Aaron did not deviate. Okay? So it's a, I mean, it's a hard to understand. The first is that really, this is a menial. This one doesn't fit with the word so well, but it's a very interesting lesson, which is that there's a menial part of this thing, which is just cleaning out this oil and soot, and it's it's not a it's a job that you that you might think that Aaron would have outsourced this job to one of the junior Kohane's, and so the Torah is telling you, that to tell you the praise of Aaron that he didn't deviate; he himself did it. And he didn't outsource it, even though it seems to be like a blue collar job. And you know, it's like the sous chef; he does all the work. Then the chef comes in and blesses the food, and he's the chef. Aaron said, "No, I'm going to do all the work, including the so-called dirty work, because this is a holy um, endeavor. So every aspect of it, including cleaning out yesterday's um, used wicks and, and the and oil, that's a part of it. He didn't consider, consider himself too big." to do that, and he f- considered it, to the contrary, to be an honor. That one is a very nice idea, but it's hard to see how, that in the word deviate. He didn't deviate. That doesn't sound like deviation if you give it to somebody else. It's a different way, different thing. So there's delegate. another interpretation, huh? Oh, delegate. That would be delegate. If right, he, did, he didn't delegate. Uh, well, I guess you're deviating. Yeah. The second one is... Um, Unless so you're going to say he didn't make a differentiation between, you know, lighting it and the rest of it. Okay. The second one is about mourning. I go, there's this the three M's, the menial and the mourning. So mourning, remember, he was now in mourning. Mm. Two sons had just died. So you might think, well, on this day, he gave somebody else the job. Because it wasn't, Torah Tor doesn't say that that he has, Tor, it seems to imply that, but. The, the, the law is that the Kohen Gadol does not have to light the menorah. The Kohen Gadol, the high priest, he basically can come in at any time and do anything he wants. But there are only certain things that he must do, and that's basically the Om Kippur service and then other things that he has to do daily. But most things, like the daily offering, that doesn't have to be done by the Kohen Gadol. The lighting of the menorah doesn't have to be done by the Kohen Gadol. It can be done by an Israelite. It doesn't have to be done by a Kohen, technically, because Israelite can't go in. But if he had a very long stick, he could light the menorah. So... What the Torah is saying is that Aaron did this mitzvah of lighting the menorah, and even on a day of such a great tragedy, lo shina, he didn't deviate from the custom of doing it every day, and he did it, which shows his incredible devotion and, and capacity to be able to, to do that even in such a, a state of, of, um, of mourning. The third interpretation that i saw this comes from this so the second one comes from the chassam sofer Rabbi Moshe Sofer, a very very famous sage from prezberg in i want to say the 1800s the third i saw is from the svas ms these are all by the way in the art scroll chumash don't think i've been looking in many books um they quote all of these three very beautifully the third one is the svas ms which is one of the rebbes of ger also uh late 1800s i would say where he says that it's human nature. I think this one fits best with the words. He says human nature that after you're doing something every day, day after day, what happens is, I mean, the first day you do it, woo-hoo, it's exciting. You're doing it with a lot of umph, with a lot of passion, excitement. Do it a second day, still third day, fourth day. After a while, the gas starts to run out and you start doing it almost by rote. Certainly not with the excitement that you had in the first day. What's the praise of Aaron? Praise of Aaron is, He didn't change. He didn't change from the way he did it the first time. A year later, two years later, he was still doing it with the same excitement and passion. Okay, let's go back to our screen. Now the Torah, for some reason decides to uh, recap what the menorah looked like, even though we know it already from the book of Exodus, it recaps. And so what does it say? The the, menorah, the form of the menorah was miksha zahav, was a piece of gold that was hammered out. In other words, as Rashi explains, it wasn't made of different pieces that were grafted together or, um, or screwed together or any other way but rather it was one piece of gold chiseled out. Rashi uses the Hebrew word, the chashil, with a chisel. Interesting that the Hebrew word for chisel is, almost looks like chisel, chashil. So from, and the entire thing, not just the basic structure of the menorah, but even the intricate detail of the menorah, the flowers, the ornaments that were engraved on the menorah, that also was not a add-on later, it was part and parcel of the gold. Mikshahi. Torah seems to be emphasizing this over here. Uh, I have, a, I have a, a interpretation based on Hasidic uh, understanding of this. But at face value, it seems to be unusual that Torah is bringing this up now. Kamare, and how was it made? Like the, like the way, the form that God showed Moses, that's how he made the menorah. Now, I'll just give you my Hasidic interpretation since I put you in suspense. My Hasidic interpretation is, not mine, that what was the idea that this menorah was made out of one piece of gold? The answer is that the different branches of the menorah represent different types of Jews. right? We had the 12 different tribes and how they each come to God in their own way. They each do the mitzvahs, the same mitzvahs, but bring their own personality to it. Um, their own experiences to it. Similarly, the menorah has the seven branches, represents seven different types of people, different characteristics, we know we just had the seven weeks between Pesach and Shavuos, the seven characteristics, some people specialize in kindness, some people specialize in judgment, Uh, some people specialize in harmony, some people specialize in in, uh, perseverance, and so on and so forth, so What The idea that the menorah has to be made of one piece of gold and is not grafted from different pieces represents this idea that we, the Jewish people, with all our different types of personalities, when we come and do the mitzvahs, the same mitzvahs, the same Torah, but we do it with our own personalities, that is, there is a unity behind that. There is a unity that underlies that uh, differentiation. That diversity is really coming out of a absolute unity. And that's represented by the fact that the menorah is made, the menorah representing the Jewish people is all one piece. We're not separate beings, but we're like one organism, one family, one body. And that's being re-emphasized over here. Um, Rashi, let's look at Rashi. Vizeh, we know that whenever it says vizeh this, it means that you're pointing to something. So God actually points, because Moshe was having trouble understanding how the menorah is made. That itself is a good question. We talked about it in Exodus. So God points with his finger and says, this is how you make it because, Ra- because Moshe was having trouble with it. Now, um, Rashi says here, the verse over here says, Kain a menorah. so did he construct the menorah. And as we've seen many times, whenever you have a pronoun or often when you have a pronoun, sometimes when you have a pronoun, creates ambiguity. So who's the he over here? You're going to think Moses. What's the proof? Because they didn't put a capital H. But what if they would have put a capital H? The he would have been God. So the question is, who made the menorah? Was it Moses or was it the Lord? There's two ways to look at it. Rashi gives us both interpretations. Cain, I'm sorry. Um, no, I'm sorry, I messed the, this one up. It's not even Moses because Moses wasn't necessarily the one making the stuff. There was B'tzalel. There were other people who were working on the Mishkan. So the, the, the without Rashi, you would say he, who's he? So Rashi says the first one is Misha Asa'a, the one who whoever it is, it doesn't name the person who did it, and they put nicely, putly, putly, uh, nicely put over here in the in the brackets. It was Bitzalel. However, says Rashi, made go there there's a Midrash that says actually it was God who made this menorah, and Moshe, um, Moshe was having trouble with it. And it was actually God who makes the menorah. The gold is taken and and put into the fire and boom, the menorah comes out. Now, so this is the introduction to the Parsha, this story with the menorah. Obviously, this is the foundation of the Parsha. This the idea of bringing light into the world, spiritual light into the world, the idea of the Jewish unity, the idea of Aharon. And that's what sets the stage for the whole Parsha, which starts going into other stuff. So the next thing is about the Levites and how the Levites um, are being taken to uh, serve in the temple. We've had this already in the last in the last week's parshas. However, now the Torah is going to get into detail of what's happening with them and how they are brought in. So we'll stop here since it's 9 o'clock, and if anybody needs to go, we'll let them go. And if anybody has any questions or comments, we welcome them as always.
1: It was interesting what came to mind when you are going back to the deviate. So when we do Shema and we do Amidah and we do, you know, each of our different, when we gather on Saturdays, it, you know, you're supposed to do three steps forward, three steps back, not two and a half, not, you know, so I, I, I can see how we could quote unquote deviate. We don't mean less of the blessing. Um, maybe that's a an example, try to be it's it's also probably coming at a good time. We're this far into the Torah, maybe a little reminder. Don't you know? Continue to keep up
0: the enthusiasm. I don't know. That's good. I think that's probably the, you know, the plain meaning of it is. You're right. You know, uh, the question is only why would we? You know, of course Aaron would would do it right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: I'm, I'm amazed at how much. Uh symbolism and metaphors and, even, and all these things. I mean, the menorah, and I'd never thought of the symbolism of the flame upward, upward rising or raising our consciousness upward from this ego state into our higher self to reaching up to God. And it's just, it's, you know, it's quite a symbol. symbol oh, symbol. and also yeah. the oneness. Yeah, oneness. Yeah, it's, it's uh, raising the consciousness. Most people don't say light the menorah, they don't, they're lighting it because I'm supposed to light it. Right. deep meaning in that. Wow. Go ahead, Hilo. I have a question, you know, with that uh, direction of the lights. I think the menorah was already built. How can you, you know, fire it otherwise? You know, because I think the way the menorah was built with the branches, already the, the side branches were well, no, putting light over the center already. That's my needs to be how can you do it otherwise? You can only look like where the, you know, who weak is, you know, because you cannot do anything else because the, the cops the, the oil is already set, is built. How can you do anything different? That's my question, you know, is we cannot move the, you know, the fire around, you know, the lights, you know, this is already in the menorah.
0: Right, in fact, the, the lamps, the lamps were were uh, were built such so that the wicks there was a groove, presumably for the wicks to to be placed in a yeah. way that it's facing that's the
2: center. You could not rotate them, you know. It's already done. Right. You know, how how can it be otherwise? You know, God built it like that. You know, already that the, the site was was maybe just for the music didn't didn't really anything. to, you know. Manipulate it somehow to, to, right. to, to light outside of something.
0: Right, he could, have moved, he could have moved the wicks to other parts of the lamp.
2: Yeah, that's what it means that you didn't manipulate, didn't, you know, with this thing, because it's already built like that. You can't, you think about it, how can it, when you light the candle? They really, did, that's what it is, you know, you cannot move it around. It.
0: Right, very good. Okay, so it's a great question. We have a bunch of different answers and a bunch of different lessons. And I will wish everybody a wonderful Sunday and hope to see you tomorrow, same time, same place. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
2: Very
0: much.